RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, let's look at international news from over the weekend here at RCR. We start with RT and their reporting of the Turkish presidential election. We go into the story. Early counting shows Erdogan in the lead. The Turkish president is currently 16 points ahead of his pro-Western opponent. Preliminary results, they tell us, from Turkey's presidential election show the incumbent Recep Tayyip Erdogan with a comfortable lead over his opponent, Kemal Kilik Daraglu. However, the majority of the ballots remain to be counted. Polling stations closed at 5 o'clock local time Sunday with the first results announced several hours later by the Anadolu Agency. With almost 20% of ballots counted, Erdogan had 55% of the vote, with Kilik Daraglu at 39%. Sinan Ogan, widely considered an outside shot for the presidency, came in a distant third at 6%. RT Telus, some 64.1 million people were registered to vote, including more than 1.7 million Turkish living abroad. Turnout was high at 85%. This is our look at international news from over the weekend, not necessarily reported here by government-funded mainstream media. And this story from the Reclaim news site. The headline, the Disinformation Governance Board is out, the Foreign Malign Influence Centre is in. We go into the story and they tell us the US Department of Homeland Security, DHS Disinformation Governance Board, met an ignoble demise last year when it was disbanded within months amid public criticism and staff-related scandal. Reclaim tell us that despite being derisively referred to as the Ministry of Truth, i.e. a US government's alleged attempt to create an Orwellian-like institution, it was a fairly safe bet that the strong backlash notwithstanding, the initiative would rear its head again at some point soon. And they invite us to meet the Foreign Malign Influence Centre, the FMIC, located at the Office of the Director of US National Intelligence. And they tell us the existence of the centre seems to have been presented to the public in a rather low-key fashion. It was last Thursday that it came up during an address by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence Chief Avril Haines. A full 45 minutes into the speech during a hearing organised by the Senate Armed Services Committee. And they report Matt Taibbi, who poured over Twitter's internal documents, saying, The basic rhetorical trick of the censorship age must raise a fuss about a foreign threat, using it as a battering ram to get everyone from Congress to the tech companies to submit to increased regulation and surveillance. We're looking at international news from over the weekend here at RCR right now. And this story from the Western Journal. Cause shows Bud Light how it's done with new commercial. Brings in Yellowstone Star to help. We go into the story. They tell us Anheuser-Busch might quickly become a case study in marketing courses in regard to how to both alienate a well-established client base and tank profits in record-breaking time. The household American beer company has lost billions in the weeks following its endorsement of transgender social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney. They tell us Mulvaney's caricature was featured on a special release of Bud Light cans in an attempt to celebrate Mulvaney's first 365 days living as a woman back in early April. And the majority of beer-drinking Americans have reacted to the Anheuser-Busch campaign that even cause beers has now released an ad capitalising on Anheuser-Busch's failure. The beer company debuted a brand new commercial on Wednesday featuring Yellowstone star Cole Hauser, otherwise known as Rip Wheeler, as they celebrate 150 years on this earth. Here's the soundtrack to that commercial. The same Rocky Mountain water. 
the same brewing tradition that started 150 years ago in Golden, Colorado. Because when you're a favorite beer of rock stars, smugglers, cowboys, and presidents, you don't compromise. That's our legacy. What do you want to go down in history for? Coors Banquet. Start your legacy. It's international news from across the weekend here at RCR from Monday morning. This story from the Revolver News site headlines Scottish Government's War on Men Ending Jury Trials in Rape Cases in Me Too Era. And they carry a report from the BBC. Lawyers across Scotland are expected to join a near-unanimous boycott of a pilot scheme for juryless rape trials. They tell us Stuart Murray, Vice President of the Scottish Solicitors Bar Association, said at least seven bodies had voted against the government proposals. Legal professionals have said the scheme proposed to tackle low conviction rates could undermine the judicial system. First Minister Husma Youssef has defended the plan. He pointed to a weight of evidence that juries are affected by rape myths and misconceptions. The pilot was proposed by Scotland's second most senior judge, Lady Dorian, in a review that informed the Victims, Witnesses and Justice Reform Scotland Bill. It would see anyone accused of rape or attempted rape stand trial before a single judge or sheriff who would decide whether or not they are guilty. In the most recent figures, conviction rates for rape and attempted rape were 51%, compared with 91% for all other crimes. And the Vice President of the Scottish Solicitors Bar Association, Stuart Murray, said he hoped the boycott would put an end to the scheme, but said he could not say for certain because the Scottish Government was so unpredictable. It's our look at international news from over the weekend, not necessarily reported here by government-funded mainstream media. The story from RadarOnline.com. The headline, No one wanted Trump on air. CNN morale at all-time low after town hall ratings grab. We go into the story and they tell us, CNN staffers are annoyed their employer decided to give Donald Trump a platform, with insiders telling Radar Online that morale around the office is at an all-time low, as many employees looked at the ex-president's town hall event as nothing but a gross grab for ratings. No one wanted Trump on air at CNN in a town hall format where he was just allowed to basically run his mouth unchecked, a source told Radar Online. Staffers did everything possible not to get stuck working on the special. Insiders shared that the former commander-in-chief didn't ditch his macho persona on or off the stage either. Trump came onto the set like the bully and just owned the night spewing whatever lies he wanted. It was just gross, an insider spilled. The facts didn't matter. It's just Trump's truth. And Trending Politics reports that Anderson Cooper, CNN host, melted down in his first monologue since the Trump town hall. He told the audience he understands if they never watch CNN again. Here's what Anderson Cooper said. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. It was disturbing. It was disturbing to see and hear that person refer to a black law enforcement officer as a thug, an adjective he used many times to describe black men, and call Caitlin Collins, the moderator, nasty, which is what he calls any woman who stands up to him. It was disturbing to hear him speak so highly of QAnon conspirators and insurrectionists 
who assaulted police officers in our democracy on January 6th. And it was awful to hear him spread ridiculous lies about the election. And it was certainly disturbing to hear that audience, young and old, our fellow citizens, people who love their kids and go to church, laugh and applaud his lies and his continued defamation of a woman who, according to a jury of his peers, he sexually abused and defamed. As good a job as Caitlin Collins did trying to fact check him, it is impossible to fact check fully because he lies so shamelessly. Now, many of you think CNN shouldn't have given him any platform to speak, and I understand the anger about that, giving him the audience, the time, I get that. But this is what I also get. The man you were so disturbed to see and hear from last night, that man is the front runner for the Republican nomination for president. And according to polling, no other Republican is even close. That man you were so upset to hear from last night, he may be president of the United States in less than two years. And that audience that upset you, that's a sampling of about half the country. They are your family members, your neighbors, and they are voting. And many said they're voting for him. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him, thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is going to stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? CNN host Anderson Cooper there with his first monologue following the Trump town hall on CNN last week. We're taking a look at international news from over the weekend right now, Monday morning on RCR. The story from the Mirror, the headline, Brits are dying in their tens of thousands and we don't really have any idea why. We go into the story, they tell us tens of thousands more Brits were dying than expected and experts aren't quite sure why that is. From May to December last year, there were 32,441 excess deaths in England and Wales excluding deaths from COVID. Excess deaths are defined as the number of people who died above the five-year average worked out excluding 2020 due to how COVID spiked death figures that year. They tell us this means that over 32,000 Brits would have been expected to be alive but died, according to Office for National Statistics figures across this period. These shocking figures raised a number of important questions about what's happening to the country's population, how it's changing and why so many more people are dying. Professor David Coleman, Emeritus Professor of Demography at Oxford University, told the Mirror that no one knew for certain what had caused so many deaths throughout last year. He pointed out that post-COVID, the UK's population had been changed through the deaths of a significant proportion of elderly due to the virus. And he explained, once those poor people have been packed off, the remaining population should be healthier. There should be a period afterwards where deaths are lower than usual. But that hasn't happened. We're looking at international news this morning on RCR and the story from Newsmax World. Zelensky, Ukraine counteroffensive needs more time. We go into the story. They tell us Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says his country's military needs more time to prepare an anticipated counteroffensive aimed at pushing back Russian occupying forces. Zelensky said in an interview broadcast Thursday by the BBC that it would be unacceptable to launch the assault now because too many lives would be lost.
With what we have, we can go forward and be successful, Zelensky said in the interview, according to the BBC. But we'd lose a lot of people. I think that's unacceptable, he was quoted as saying. The interview was reportedly carried out in Kiev with public service broadcasters who are members of Eurovision News, including the BBC. Zelensky said, So we need to wait. We still need a bit more time. And Newsmax tell us a Ukrainian fight back against Russia's invasion more than 14 months ago has been expected for weeks. Ukraine is receiving advanced Western weapons, including tanks and air defences, and Western training for its troops as it gears up for an expected assault. And Reuters are reporting this morning that the Russians are denying any breakthroughs by Ukrainian forces along front lines. It's our look at international news, not necessarily reported here by government-funded mainstream media. Across the Tasman and from the Daily Mail Australia, Bear Grylls says he's embarrassed that he ever promoted veganism and now shuns veggies completely in favour of red meat. We go into the story. They tell us the iconic adventurer and TV presenter, who's 48, claimed he's never felt stronger and that his skin and gut have never been better after binning a plant-based diet. Grills eats red meat, blood bone marrow, as well as salted butter, eggs, fruit and honey. As well as veg, he avoids processed foods, bread and pasta. But... While the story goes on, Grills claims the science stacks up, experts insist that vegan diets can be perfectly healthy and vegetables are key for a balanced diet. Experts also say that despite red meat being a good protein source, too much can increase the risk of bowel cancer, while a recent Harvard University study found low-carb diets can increase the risk of early death. I was a vegan quite a few years ago. In fact, I wrote a vegan cookbook and I feel a bit embarrassed because I really promoted that. Grills is quoted as saying in an interview, I thought that was good for the environment and I thought it was good for my health. And through time and experience and knowledge and study, I realized I was wrong on both counts. And they tell us he's also not impressed with processed vegetarian and vegan food that contains seed oils. I used to think they were brilliant, he said. And then I started looking at the ingredients and just thought, hold on, this is horrific. This is so processed and it's full of seed oils. He claims that since ditching vegetables in favour of blood and bone marrow, he feels the strongest he's ever felt and that his skin and gut as you heard before, have never been better. And we finish our look at international news from over the weekend here at RCR this Monday morning with a piece that actually aired last week on Sky News Australia. People are talking about it and have been tweeting the clip. It's from Rita Panahi of Sky News Australia. She says politicians and health bureaucrats are trying to desperately rewrite history, trying to convince people that they never advocated for crippling illiberal lockdowns, vaccine mandates, school closures. It's a good piece. And I think even though it went to air on May 9th last week, we should hear it this morning. No, it's not their fault. They just made recommendations. I didn't think anyone would be stupid enough to actually follow them or enforce them. Along with Australia and New Zealand, Canada was right up there for COVID madness. But Prime Minister Justin Trudeau now claims that's just disinformation. He says he never insisted that everyone, young and old, healthy and infirm, get vaccinated against COVID. That's just fake news. Let's have a quick look at what Justin is saying now and what he said back then. Misinformation and disinformation is carrying people to believe things that are 
untrue. And vaccinations is a perfect example of it. Any vaccine we distribute to Canadians will be safe for Canadians. There are people who've probably gotten very sick from vaccinations. Uh, every vaccine that is improved uh, is safe for Canadians, is uncompromising. Well, individuals are allowed to make their own choices. There may be all sorts of different reasons why someone is hesitant to get vaccinated. There's no more excuses to not get your shot. And therefore, while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated, enforcement measures in place will make sure that everyone is vaccinated. I chose to make sure that all the incentives, travelers across the country need to be fully vaccinated. People coming into the country need to be fully vaccinated. We're there. Don't get to work in the public service. Don't get to go to movie theaters or gyms or restaurants. That compilation courtesy of Milk Bar TV. But Trudeau is not alone. This week we saw Anthony Fauci, the man responsible for so much of the dysfunction surrounding our COVID response. Well, Fauci now claims the heavy-handed response was not his doing. Speaking to the New York Times, he tried to absolve himself of all responsibility. Show me a school that I shut down, he said. Show me a factory that I shut down. Never. I never did. These people, my goodness, we can never forget what they inflicted on us. And there must be a reckoning for all the politicians and public health officials for the insane overreach, the inhumane policies inflicted on free people in the name of safety. They cannot be allowed to dodge responsibility. That's Rita Panahi from the Outsiders program on Sky News Australia speaking last week. And that ends our look this morning at international news here at RCR. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.